0: Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Balls and Whistles, a Highland news and media sports podcast. My name is Andrew Henderson, and as always, I'm joined by sports editor Will Clark. Will, how are you doing this week?
1: Not too bad. It's awfully cramped today.
0: Yeah, it's a big show. There's been a lot happening, and it's also our biggest ever episode in terms of guests. We're joined by another one of our colleagues at Highland News and Media, who's also been a freelance sports reporter up here in the Highlands for quite a few years now. Alistair Fraser, Alistair, how are things with you?
2: When you when you say quite a few years, you mean absolute yonks. Uh, I've been around for a I while. I didn't want to give it away. Well, I'm, everything's fine. I'm, I'm actually on holiday this week, so you're, you're rudely interrupting my break well thank you all the more then for coming and joining us uh we've talked
0: about him quite a bit we talked about his work in the northern scott quite a bit we've got craig christie finally joining us
3: craig how are things in europe neck of the woods i'm good thanks yes uh te- technology has never been my strongest point so just bear with me
0: no problem at all hopefully you'll stay with us because we've got quite a lot of murray talk this week Elgin city are back in action tomorrow for the first time in months and we're actually going to start in League Two, but not with the elegant Edinburgh game. We're going to get to that in just a little second. There have been proposals seem to be put forward this week about a little bit of a reformatting to League Two. There are proposals that Highland League clubs, Lonely clubs and Rangers and Celtic cult teams are going to be added to the division. We've talked quite a lot on the podcast before about promotion from the Highland League and how much of a shame it would be if the permanent playoff couldn't take place this season. Is it worth cult teams to get another couple of Highland League teams up in League Two? What do we think, guys?
2: Well, if I could start off, I mean, I'm, I'm really for this one because for me, the national team has suffered for years by the old firm sort of creaming off some of the best talent but not really giving it the breathing space. And I know there's a strong argument, obviously, to say that why should the old firm have this privilege when, when no one else does? But, you know, it's for the good of the Scottish game. And I think we're, we're coming to a... In a crunch period now where when it's all brought into focus with what Steve Park has achieved, but we've still got such a lack of depth in the national squad. I would love to see players developing in real men's football and see how that benefits us in the next decade, to be honest with you.
0: Well, I think I see a bit of a wry smile on your face. What do you make of it? I think it would bastardize
1: Scottish football, to be fair. Tell us how you really feel. I have... If if Rangers and Celtic want to enter Colts teams, why can't they start the West of Scotland League to begin with and make their way up the pyramid system like everyone else has? There's been all this effort about setting up um, new divisions for non-league teams to progress, and then all of a sudden Rangers and Celtic want to have reserve teams in League Two, just like that. No, it doesn't sit right with me. Um, the, The whole fact that... League reconstruction was dismissed last season when it should have been made the first priority and no team should have been relegated. And if they're going to scrap the playoffs, at least let the runners-up get promoted. You know, that that was a big case for having League reconstruction and the clubs just dismissed it. No, I'm not for this at all. Get this in the bin.
2: I, I would come back on that one and just say, you know, I think there's got to be a time when we put all this uh, sort of conflict the old firm don't get me wrong I totally agree with Will the old firm are at the core of most of the conflict in Scottish football because their interests clash directly with smaller clubs and the majority of clubs but I just feel for the good of the Scottish game we've got to maybe rise above it a wee bit and begin to and sure if Will wants to send them down to the local street league first of all and see how many years we might be talking about the 2035, 36 season by the time they're up uh, anywhere decent. But you know, you know, I mean, it, my my strongest feeling on it is is for the national team, and that's I, I would I would take a lot of sort of argument against that.
3: I can sense that they're they're actually trying to hit clubs at a vulnerable time at the moment. I've noticed that there's a a bit of a financial sweetener being involved here, and how much how much money clubs can gain, and that's going to be a real incentive at the moment. I think over the next five years, they're talking about maybe £100,000 gain for these clubs. The, the, the Rangers and Celtic Colt teams aren't going to get any financial gain out of it as a result. Um, but but there is a vulnerability about the Scottish lower league clubs at the moment. And I can sense that the timing of this, this call for reconstruction, although they're, they're trying to, to sort of make football generally better on their whole I feel, I feel that there needs to be a, a settling-in period at the moment, I think, for clubs to actually find their feet. Um, and I would just stay with the status quo at the moment and maybe revisit it a year or two down the line. Uh, that's my my view. I'm not sure if, if all clubs are definitely going to survive uh, over the next couple of years, the way things have gone through coronavirus.
2: Craig, I would say, I, I agree with you, actually. Um, I, I would say, though, there's a good opportunity for the smaller clubs to play hardball in this and try and work together and get a better financial deal out of it, maybe. And, you know, I I would bring in other sort of elements to it. I would like to see, you know, a straight promotion from the Highland League um, if that was what the champions of the Highland League desired uh, rather than, you know, this playoff system which is kind of geared a wee bit against them. I would like to see, you know, more. I I would like to see the Colt idea expanded beyond just the old firm as well. I I think their scope... For a broadening of the kind of lower, maybe a fifth division rather than 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 a fourth tier change, you know, so it's maybe maybe some sort of regionalised element to 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 kick it all off. So I think there's loads of options. I don't think we should just be steamrolled by what um, they they want at Ibrox and Parkhead, you know.
3: It's interesting to to see that they've they've just picked out these numbers: It's Rangers, Celtic, plus two Highland League clubs and two Lowland League clubs that they want as part of the sixteen. Team division for next season. Now, I think personally, you know, having spoken to you know a number of people involved in the Highland League, I don't think there's a great interest in the Highland League to step up to senior level. And the exception is obviously broader Rangers, who are, you know, they're desperate and they've got the setup, they're geared up to go. Who else in the Highland League is really keen to, to join a national setup? Uh, Bucky Thistle did a, a recent thing where they polled their fans. That their recent title success for themselves. The fans were polled. The committee have never been in favour of it. And Graham Stewart, the manager, recently came out and talked about summer football being an option, which would really, you know, wipe out any Highland League football standing in, in the, the pyramid system because they would be running in different months. Uh, the Bucky fans incidentally came out and said overwhelmingly they're quite happy to stay within the, the north circles. So there isn't a great appetite for, for national football, I don't think, at Highland League level, so whether you could actually get two clubs to be interested in, in stepping up is another question. Fraserborough is another team in the option. I don't know where they stand, if they wanted to join their neighbours, Peterhead, in, in the setup or not. Whereas in contrast, there's a big appetite in the Lowland League. There's, there's several clubs there who are keen to, to make the step-up. And it's, it's geographical, really, because they're, they're in the central belt. And obviously, they're, they're not going to have to do a lot more travel as a result, really, because most of the clubs are in their neck of the woods.
2: I think you've got clubs like Fermartin Martin who are certainly ambitious, you know, and you've always got the likes of Banks of D You can't—they've—they've they've been thwarted even getting into the Highland League. But you know, I, I think there are clubs in the Aberdeenshire area uh, certainly. But the other thing is, you know, it changes from from regime to regime. You know, Broader Rangers were very against it under the previous regime; they're very for it now um, under William Powery
3: Yeah, they're, they're all, all systems go. I think I did a a recent story uh, on the subject of Graham Stewart the Bucky Thistle manager talking about there being a lack of appetite uh, in the Highland League and it was out in a tweet, I think Broer responded to the tweet saying that there is plenty of appetite from from us to, to be part of the you know the, the main setup and to be getting to League Two. There's still a lot of ill feeling about how it was worked out last season and all the reconstruction was buried. I just don't see it happening again this time. I have to be perfectly honest, it may just be a little bit too soon maybe a little bit further down the line we could revisit it.
2: And I think that's fair enough. I, th- I think if the League 2 clubs vote uh, and the League 1 clubs vote against it, I think that should be respected. I think if the Highland League clubs are not for it, that should be respected. But I think we've got to look at a better system than what we have now, because you know I think there's a cliff edge for talent in this country. I think players are comparable to the best in Europe up to the age of 16, 17, and then they can't make that leap into, into senior, you know, proper men's football. Um, too many of them can't make that leap. And, and that worries me, you know, so we, we've got to find some sort of solution to that. But hey High Manager, Jim McNally,
1: it, um, he hit the nail on the head. The onus is on Celtic and Rangers to develop these players. It's not on Scottish football's responsibility to develop Celtic and Rangers, best players. You, you look at the Rangers teams, other. not the, the champions just now, but how many chances do they give to youth players? Selic maybe have been a bit better in recent years, but all this talk about Colts teams,
0: is that not what the loan systems were? Well, there was talk about Rangers forming a, a partnership with Clyde as well over the last week or so, wasn't there? Yeah, and I think Hibs are the same as Stenhouse-Muir, is that right? I think so. I'd have to double-check that, but I think so. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's those arguments both ways, aren't there? There are other ways of developing... Young players, but we've also seen Cali Thistle, as I was saying, other teams might want to implement cult sites. Cali Thistle have been asking to put a cult team in the Highland League for the last couple of years and been told no, with the idea it's better to keep everybody together. So I can kind of see the argument both ways on that one.
1: But I remember that when the Cali Thistle were rejected by the Highland League, the reaction from the fans in the Highland League was hugely positive. You know, it's not just League Two; it's for any division. I think any division would see a reserve team in their league as being detrimental to their division.
2: Listen, I'm I'm totally at ease with that if it's the wrong system for Scottish football. But you know, this is a system that works right across Europe: Spain, Germany, Holland, France, Belgium, Portugal. And I know our football is different, but you know why? Why are we always we always say oh, it's Scottish football, but do we not want to become a sophisticated European nation like everyone else? What do you mean by sophisticated, Alistair? <laughs> I don't know. Just like good, we want to get good, don't we? Basically,
3: there is also a feeling as well in the, in the Scottish league setup that too many teams might be a problem. If we were choosing our, our, our top divisions, you know, our, our, our four divisions out with the pyramid, uh, if we start cramming too many clubs into the setup. Uh, it's also this uh, spread of cash that goes through the leagues as well. So it might depend on whether we can make it attractive and, and bring more sponsorship money into the game. You know, It would be good to get some more companies involved and get, and get some more cash on the table for these clubs. Re- they really are going to need it over the next couple of years. James, these Colts teams would like
1: add fans to stadiums because I've been to testimonial games uh, where Rangers and Celtic fielded youth teams and the stadiums have been almost empty like I can think of the Challenge Cup semi-final uh, when Cali Fissel played Rangers Colts. That was hardly packed either. I just don't see the big benefit that would bring to the Scottish
0: game. Yeah, I, I saw on Twitter, and I can't remember who put it up, so I'll need to apologise to whoever actually dug out this stat, and they had Rangers and Celtic cult teams in the Challenge Cup and looking at their attendance levels, and it really didn't make any sort of dent. In, in what you might expect, I think there would definitely be a perception that these cult teams are very much reserve teams, and they're not the the real deal to fans. I could be wrong. I could quite easily be proven wrong with that, but I don't see it making a huge difference to crowds. And suddenly, you're going to get thousands and thousands of people in in League Two.
2: A couple of hundred on a on a gate though could be could be a lot of money, you know, for, for certain teams.
3: Did the, the, the old fan teams not on on the previous reconstruction uh, proposals when they were trying to get in before? They made a promise that they were going to buy a certain amount of tickets for the match. Uh, can't remember if it's 250 or 500. This was the the financial sweetener. 200, Craig. I think it was. I. Right? I mean that obviously that is a is an incentive in itself for League One and League Two clubs, and they're going to get a bit of cash as a result of these clubs coming in. It's. I mean, I can see the argument for maybe maybe yeah, the adult football for these young young guys. They need to get a more competitive level of football to bring them up. Maybe maybe they should be looking to, to start them in the Lowland League or something like that and then and see how they progress from there. And obviously the ceiling is League One. I think that's that's how they've laid it out. Am I right in saying that? That they, they, they can't get promoted any higher than League One?
0: Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, again, that's similar to the system in Spain. I know B teams can only go up as high as, I think it's the third tier there as well. So like Alistair was saying, there's a precedent for that and that's that's not entirely uncommon throughout Europe.
2: The, the, just, just to add, to Andrew, the last one, I mean, the, all the countries I yield off are, are big footballing nations, but Croatia apparently is a, is a fantastic example of how it can work. And they've got a slightly smaller population than Scotland, you know, and certainly not, they're not in the big league television-wise. And look, at I mean, just look at what they've achieved as a nation on on the international scene. And I know Will says, you know, it's not our our job to develop all firm players, but it's our job to develop Scottish players. And that, that would be my, my strongest feeling. Um, you know, and sadly the reality is most of the best young players come through the old firm.
0: I, I wasn't sure what was going to respond
2: there. I was gonna wait to see. <laughs> He's banging his head off the table, I think. <laughs>
1: It's just a case of them leapfrogging their way to League Two. If they want to start off in the West of Scotland League and then win the Lowland League and then win the playoff, maybe we wouldn't have so much of a problem with it. But ideas and stats at the moment, as far as I'm concerned, get it in the
0: bed. We're going to have to keep an eye out for this one and see where it goes. I think we're still in the pretty early days of discussions about what's actually going to happen. So we'll keep an eye on that and we'll cover all the developments as they happen in the coming weeks and months. Um, I did mention Elgin are back in action tomorrow at home against Edinburgh City for the first time in months. Craig, Elgin must just be delighted to be getting back in action.
3: Absolutely, yeah, there's a real buzz about the place. Um, I've really liked Garvin Price's attitude through it all because he, he's he been keen you know, to see this return to football, obviously, when it was safe to do so. And I've heard some managers, uh, some of the Highland League managers within the, the Scottish Cup, set up at the moment, you know, talking about it's, it's a bit hasty and it's a bit too quick whereas Garvin's been he's always been a, a philosopher of getting the ball in as quick as possible forget about the fitness work just getting the matches going, he does that in pre-season and straight away as soon as they were back in training, there the were two games already he just wants to get the guys involved into the, the, the patterns of play into the formations and, and I think Elgin, you know, will be relatively ready for, for tomorrow's match I spoke to Kane Hester, their striker as well. He's been doing strength and conditioning, sprint training, all these specialized things. He's taken it very seriously. Uh, and I think he's busting and ready to go. It might just give Elgin a little bit of an edge in terms of like hitting the ground running. I don't know how well prepared the rest of the teams will be. Obviously, Edinburgh City is their opponents on Saturday. New manager Gary Naismith coming in as well. So I, I would imagine his approach to the game will be very professional as well. But it's just great to have the, the football back at Barra Briggs after such a long time.
0: Yeah, it's great they're going to be able to finish League 2 because they're sitting in such a good position in the table. They're sacking. There's plenty of reason to be optimistic over the next couple of weeks and months.
3: It is. It's going to be a very hectic fixture schedule, that's for sure. They're going to be fitting. I think if Elgin managed to get into the playoffs and then go all the way through the playoffs, it's going to be something like 18 games in 59 days that they would have to play, which is going to be every Tuesday night possible, Thursday night thrown in here and and there. And... uh, It's not that big a squad at Elgin. I was trying to count maybe about 20 21 first team players at the moment. They're going to need every single player in that squad to come through. They're going to have to rotate the team. Uh, And Elgin, a a team that any success that they've had in the last couple of seasons has largely been based on staying injury-free and getting a fairly steady 11 on the park. Uh, It's going to be a different challenge for Gavin Price, I think, really, that he's going to have to be rotating. And um, he's just got guys in who can play in different areas of the park it's really going to be tough on the stamina of the squad, but again, it's the same for every team across the, across League One and League Two.
2: Craig, you'll, you'll know the players uh, very well. Um, you know, what sort of jobs do these guys have? How's it going to affect, you know, playing up to three games a week? You know, they're going to be fatigued. They're going to be driving to games, I think, uh, possibly in their own cars. Um, you know, they, it'll be a really tough time for the players. You know, how much of the players being been consulted and how much... Are the
3: players behind this? From what from I'm hearing, to the players, certainly the Elgin players I've spoken to, then they are they are fully committed. You know, obviously there's a, there's a less of a southern base to to the Elgin squad now in in terms of they used to have more than half of their squad based down in Glasgow. There's now only sort of three, possibly four guys. There's one or two in Tayside. There's one or two in the uh, Sterling area. They're, they're dotted around, really, Inverness as well. Obviously, there's a few recruited from there. So the travel side of it is. It's a huge commitment for these these players and it's been a long time out of football. I think it's the buzz will return. They're, they're eager to get back into football, but there, there will be some point where fatigue's going to kick in as well. It might might come within the space of four or five games when they realize you know the legs are tired, the recovery times they've got It's an interesting one actually from Gavin Price this week because he spoke about introducing yoga sessions to the squad uh, they'll be playing on Saturdays and Tuesdays and they've got a Thursday night traditionally a training session night but he may well go easy on them and, and let the muscles recover uh, an Elton City yoga session could be could be an offering for that one and it might be things like that that really can help them recover
0: and Another thing Gavin Price has done is he's brought in a couple of players over the last week or two Craig Brown's joined Archie McPhee's come back to the club it would be all hands to the deck I suppose but what do you make of those two guys
3: Craig? I don't know very much about Craig Brown, but I can only go by what Gavin's spoken about him and, and he know he's been impressed. He's a player who's based in the Stirling area where Gavin lives. So he's watched him plenty of times in action. He um, I think he's a lively player. He can play right across the midfield. He can play in a more attacking role. I've watched a couple of video clips of him scoring goals for the university team. He's a, and he's a captain at the age of 22 or 23. So he's obviously highly thought of. I think Peter Head have been looking at him and, and monitoring his, his progress closely and he's been training with Livingston full-time this week as well. So there's a player there, I think, that that is destined for better things and, and Elgin are, are obviously getting the short-term benefit of that. Uh, Archie McPhee, on the other hand, is a player who's got a, a vast amount of experience in the Scottish League now and he's had four spells at Elgin now, a couple of loan spells. Uh, he knows the setup inside out. He, um, again, he can play in a number of positions, but I think it might be more of a defensive role that they're looking at initially because there's there's less numbers in the in the Elgin defensive side since they sold uh, or, or lost Andy McDonald to Peter Head. So he's a, he's a great addition, Archie, and he's a goal-scoring threat when he does come forward. He's very, very fit and energetic, and he just knows the Scottish League game outsides in. And one other player as well, who's not necessarily a new signing, but it it will be like a new signing, is Tony Dingwall, who they signed at the end of last year. He'd been last on RaceOver's books, and of course, his his brother Russell plays for the team as well. I think he played one substitute appearance match. His fitness levels were not quite there round about the Christmas time. But then the the lockdown period is, is worked to his advantage because he's going to be the same level as everyone else. He's been putting the work in. I think on the training ground, so he'll come back in the scene. And you know, we know what, what Tony can do when he's, he's he's fit and he's he's got the buzz about him. Um, working alongside Russell there as well, I think the two of them have got a lot of competitive streak between the two of them. So uh, it's going to work in the Elgin's favour as well. So that that effectively could be a new signing as well for City.
0: I'm going to put you on the spot, Craig. How do you rate Elgin's chances of promotion this season?
3: I I rate it. I rate it quite highly. Uh, I certainly feel they'll make the playoffs. The, the title, I can't see MD taking that off at of Queen's Park. They're a full-time outfit and they're, they're powerful. They don't give much away. And they're destined to, to win the championship, I think, in in my mind anyway. So the, the chase after that, there's a, there's a pack of clubs at Elgin are right in the midst of it. They were very unlucky last season. They were they had all the momentum in March, sitting in the third place. And I really think that that momentum could have carried into the playoffs. But the playoffs is a, it's a different breed. It's like you're in, into a cup competition all of a sudden and, and the form can suddenly be forgotten about. It's this, this two-legged situation. It's how you handle the pressure of the situation. Uh, I think it's could be Elgin's best chance yet. Uh, and it's 21 years now they've been in, in League Two. They've been in the playoffs twice before and they've failed. Bad time lucky? Why not? Why not? We'll, we'll say yes.
0: It is going to be a big few days for North football, not just because Elgin's back, but we've also got the Scottish Cup back on Tuesday. There's a load of teams up in our area in action. We've got Nairn hosting Montrose, Huntley I know we'll be looking out for <laughs> away at Dumbarton, Elgin are against Air United at Borough Briggs, Keith are at home against Clyde. I'm going to talk about Bucky versus Cali in a minute, but I want to start with Brewer's game against Hearts, because this is arguably the tie of the round, really, isn't it?
2: It's a fantastic tie. And I mean, it, it, the obvious thing is, if, if, if these were normal times, there'd be just a packed Dungeon Park. It would just be, um, the excitement would be palpable right now. Um, and it's But it's still a great tie to look forward to. Um, a real David and Goliath in the sense that not just the status of the clubs, but also the fact that, you know, you've got a team at full pelt in the Scottish League playing Um, a team that's hardly kicked the ball in in a year it's just a bizarre scenario but it's also an intriguing one and you know a real game to look forward to That's the thing about the Rangers they've got plenty of experience taking on the big teams Uh, they've already knocked
1: out um, teams higher above them in the Scottish Cup such as Stranraer and East Fife. they've been to Kilmarnock Uh, in the Challenge Cup they've played Hibs this season they've played Dundee so it won't overwhelm them they have, they know the experience of playing against the um, top teams, and you know it, it, it's a magic of the cup. Can you do it on a Tuesday night at Brora? Hearts have got to find that out. Don't be wrong. I'm, I'm not a betting man, so I wouldn't put a tenner on Brora overcoming uh, Hearts. But you never know on a one-off game. No
2: replays, straight to penalties. It could happen. And I know you're not allowed supporters in the stadium, but do you think William Powery could maybe take some of his alpacas along just to intimidate Hearts a wee bit? Are alpacas intimidating? <laughs> well, they can be if you if you look at them the wrong way, right, Andrew. Okay. You should know that. That's the thing, though. Will's
0: kind of alluded to it there. You know, They've played against teams of that sort of level before. They were down against Killy a couple of years ago. But home advantage, like Will says, the result has to be had on the night. It could be one of the better chances they'll have to be a team of hearts and stature, right?
2: They've got, they've got absolutely nothing to lose. They've got a lot of experience in that broader side as well, you know. And I think, as maybe Will said, they won't be phased by the challenge. Um, and it's, it's a 90 minute game of football. Just go and have a go at them, you know, just get absolutely torn in and let them know, as John Hughes likes to say, that they've been in a game, you know.
3: The one thing Alastair, touched on was the. the... You know, the fact that the championship clubs have been playing right through and that, that does make a disadvantage for, for the likes of Brora and, and Bucky and, and even Elgin City, who have got here United as well. It, it is a big advantage when you've been training every week. I think at the start of games it's going to be important. Uh, you know, for, for any of the small teams, they've got to start a game well and if you can ride it out for the first 20 minutes, half an hour, then the confidence will grow and the the sort of the, the niggling side of things on the on the, the higher class opposition starts to have a bearing as well. And you're absolutely right. You know, on a, on a ninety-minute game, you just have a go. At these teams, you don't go gung ho. You just believe in yourself, really. And and Brora have got every chance of really making it hard for
2: Hearts. I think a lot depends on Hearts' appetite on the night. Will Will they fancy it? You know, will their players be kind of between league games really have the same kind of appetite that Brora will come out with? You know, that, that's a big question as well. That's, uh, our hearts,
1: uh, how bothered our hearts about the Scottish Cup is it all about the championship for this season what kind of team are they going to play on Tuesday nights but um, whoever they're playing, i have got some good players in their squad, they've got a fantastic set uh, piece specialist in Dale Gillespie who scored a beautiful goal at Easter Road in the Challenge Cup earlier this season
0: so it is the tie of the round I'll come back to Algon briefly because Craig you mentioned they're, they're playing air on Tuesday night you were talking about the chances of promotion earlier. Is this just a bonus for them?
3: I think it is a bonus. In fact, in much the same way as the Betfed Cup competition starts the the season for Elgin City going into the group stages to get some really tough, tough level opposition, it, it works like a pre-season. And, and the games that they're playing just now, they would have actually liked the air game first, I think. They would have liked the Scottish Cup game out of the way, just playing against a championship side, put themselves to the test, and if there's any cobwebs to be blown away there, then it's a it's a sort of nothing-to-lose kind of match for them, really, where nobody expects them to go out and win it. Uh, instead, they've got a league game, and then they go into Tuesday's game. I would imagine that that Garvin might be looking to give one or two fringe players uh, a game against Air United on the Tuesday night and, and rest up uh, maybe established players, because definitely the league is a priority for Elgin, no question of that.
0: It's a slightly different story for Nairn County against Montrose. Montrose, one of those teams that haven't been playing over the last couple of months as well. Well, again, Nairn will probably fancy their chances of of getting something just with the circumstances, won't they?
1: And the incentive of a third round away trip to Fraserborough as well. Eh? If that's not enough incentive to win a game, I don't know what it is. I think it, the smaller teams should it be treating the Scottish Cup as a bonus because... The further they go, the more money you make, and with no crowds being allowed into stadiums this season, clubs are going to have to try and make it financially viable to take part in competitions. So maybe they shouldn't be treating these matches as bonuses. No more team Huntley, they're off to Dumbarton, and they probably will beat Dumbarton. And then the third round, yeah, it's Aberdeen at home. So they've got to pay for those costs to travel to Dumbarton. So... I wouldn't be treating this game as bonuses. I'd be make as much money as you can from reaching the further rounds.
3: Who do you think Huntley will be looking to look to play once they beat Aberdeen? Well
2: Major, Celtic, as long as it's a home draw, as long as they don't have to travel too far. I don't <laughs> like think
3: I like it. I like your style.
2: You talk about the, the smaller clubs seeing the financial incentive. I would imagine the message is exactly the same at Cali Thistle, you know, given their challenges off the off the field as well. Um, you know, the Scottish Cup could be a real more than a bonus for 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 some of the bigger clubs as well. Never mind, um, you know the Highland League clubs and lower league clubs.
1: Especially with the cost of PCR testing as well. I think it's about twelve hundred pounds a game a training session, so every penny counts.
3: And, and the Highland League clubs involved in the Scottish Cup as well. It's 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 pretty much they're the looking at it as likely being their last game of this current campaign. We're, we don't know about the Highland League season, but it looks very very. Gloomy that it's going to restart. So, so it's it's a final blast, and they they don't want it to be a one-off. They're, they're all going all going to go out and say, "Let's go for it. Let's get into the next time. We want another game after that." I agree with that, Craig. The higher league's no restarted. I don't care what everybody's saying um, May the
1: seventeenth. That's that's earliest it's going to start without PCR testing. So it, it, is, it is the last hurrah for most of these clubs this season. I know the league officials are saying they're still confident it could happen, but. Are we delaying the inevitable in that, probably, I think? Yeah, I'd have to agree with that, definitely.
2: It's just not feasible, really, is it? I mean, um, you've already got so many games to play. um, You've got the cost of testing, if that's still an issue. um, It's just not going to happen. And, you know, I've I've been really impressed by Rod Houston and the way he's kind of showed leadership for the North game throughout this whole pandemic. But, you know, I I, I, I wish they would just maybe make a call on it now. You know, I think the time's come. I think most clubs would agree with you, Alistair.
0: It's an interesting one with the Cali thistle Bucky game that uh, we mentioned just a minute or two ago. Because a week, maybe two weeks ago, I would have said Cali Thistle were there for the taking and Bucky will really fancy their chances. But the last couple of results for Inverness, suddenly they're on a bit of a high again. I mean... It's going to be a really interesting one, because Bucky will still probably fancy their chances, like we say, on the occasion, a one-off game, but Inverness are much stronger now. I mean, Craig, you've been talking to Bucky this week, haven't you? What What do they make of this at the minute?
3: I think they've been realistic about their chances. Graham Stewart realises that they're not going to get a lot of the ball, and they're going to be dominated for long stretches, and it's just how they can withstand any pressure. And I don't think Callie Thistle are scoring a lot of goals at the moment, but we know that they've got the potential firepower there. And at the same time, Bucky are, are quite strong defensively as well. So if that, again, it's another one where if it stays nil-nil for a, for a long period, then the Bucky confidence will grow because he's, he's talking about, Graham Stewart's talking about making the most of that periods of possession that they have and, and turning that, springing that into attack. He feels he's really got the players who can hurt Kali Thistle, as he put it, hitting them on the break and and, you know, use that possession to good effect. It's just whether Bucky have got the strike power to, to maybe snap up those few chances that they're going to take. I'm not sure that they've really got a prolific striker in their in the ranks at the moment. So that's my biggest doubt. If they had someone who was, you know, John McLeod from, from two or three years ago when he was the, the, the high-scoring Bucky Thistle marksman, uh, if he was in the side, it, it might be a different story. But who knows? Who knows?
0: What do you think, Will Alistair? Is this a a potential banana skin for Cali Thistle?
1: Well, I I just, my mind casts back to the game of Aloha a few weeks ago. And after that, I had grave reservations about their chances of staying in the championship. Just because of their defence, Aloha didn't have to work that hard to run right through the middle of the heart of defence. And if it wasn't for Mark Ridgers, they would have lost that game. Uh, Mark Rogers, I've got to say, I take my hat off. I think he's having an outstanding season so far. But they did improve uh, at the game, at the Rafe game I was at last Friday. I thought they looked a better team. Uh, for- Fortunate not to win it. Um, and defensively, they looked a bit better. Uh, you were in the game on Tuesday night, Hendo, so I'll let you describe how they did there. But I think they have improved. I think they have had heart-to-hearts um, about how their form has been this season. Um, so they have improved but can they do it in a Tuesday night in Bucky?
2: I took in the pay-per-view game for once it's not a thing I particularly enjoy doing um, and it, was, it wasn't a classic game if there wasn't a wee bit of Cali Thistle interest in it I would have switched off um, but what what impressed me was the way they've tightened up defensively I think really they've really got it together at the back albeit they were against 10 men for most of that game um, but what 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 really, sitting back and watching it, what really struck me was the poor use of the ball in the final third at times. I think in the first 20 minutes, I counted about five or six times where they were wasteful uh, going forward against uh, Wraith when really there was something on to create. And that's worrying. And I just hope that Billy Dodd's coming in, you know, someone with his coaching experience, he's, a, he's you know he's a top striker in his day. I really hope that the, combination of him and Neil McCann can sort that out because Callie Thistle do have a a real talent up there but they've got um, inexperienced players who are still learning the game and it's uh, you know it's woefully evident at times uh, in these matches.
0: I I don't really disagree with you Alistair what I will say is one of those inexperienced players Roddy McGregor the last couple of times I've seen Callie Thistle he's been the standout I've been really impressed with his touch and his intent going forward and I suppose we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves talking about the Cup because they've still got a game tomorrow in Dunfermline. But looking at that Cup game, they should have no lack of motivation because it's a potential Highland derby in the next round if they get through.
2: Listen, Roddy McGregor's a super player and I didn't mean it against either him or Daniel Mackay in any um, derogatory fashion. I mean, they're, they're absolute. Uh, gems of young talents that have come through the youth system. I just think that their inexperience does show at times and they're being leaned uh, There was that great start in the midweek where um, something along the lines of almost half Cali Thistle's goals uh, this season have, have been uh, contributed by the youth team products, you know? And, I mean, that's a tremendous start and a tremendous feather in the cap for the club. But where, where I really like to see a bit of improvement from these lads is just that little bit of savvy in and around the box, and which which runs they make, which passes they make, and simple things like that. But they're not alone. Some of the more experienced players have also been a bit wasteful uh, up front as well. So, as I say, you know Billy Dodds is coming in there. We, we all know Billy from press work, and he he's full of energy. He's full of full of a love for the game, um, and I think rubbing off Neil McCann. Hopefully that will really help these players in in weeks to come. And I mean it's it's they've really got to. They've got to improve in front of goal because there's so much at stake. It, the final third it doesn't need to improve a bit, but
1: on paper it's a good squad and it should be good enough to get away from trouble because they're only three points away from the playoff places now. It's crazy how tight that league is. It, it's
2: funny that, you know, that we're talking about the cup game and as Andrew says, the, the, the league game is massive this weekend. and. Um, they're up against a uh, Dunfermline side that don't lose many goals, you know, so they, 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 it'll be interesting to see how they fare against what is a very good pars defence. Um, and I think, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm on the optimistic side for the prospects. I certainly feel they have got the ability to get right up the table, but they just need to start scoring and they need that little bit of extra, whatever that, that extra percentage is to, to turn the corner, you know.
0: Well, we're talking a lot there about Cali Thistle going forward. The question was put to Neil McCann after the win in Wraith on Tuesday, or in Kirkcaldy against Wraith, I should say, on Tuesday. Here's what he had to say about Cali Thistle going forward.
3: You can see that they're, a bit, they're getting a wee bit you know, panicky in terms of uh, we haven't had that win since the United game. And, uh, and you could see that they were just holding on, they were getting deeper, they were maybe choosing the wrong pass, uh, maybe getting a
2: little clouded in terms of their judgement when they needed just to move the ball and stay calm. But I can't blame them for, for that because of uh, the, the situation they've been in. But yeah, I would like to think that will improve in the forward areas of
0: the pitch. That hopefully will, will place a bit of calm on their shoulders now. Getting that result on Tuesday, and now that's four points from, out of six against Raith confidence will hopefully start flowing a bit more for them and they might be a bit more clinical going forward now. I suppose that's got to be the hope, doesn't it? It has to be. They've got to win games to make
1: sure that relegation is not going to be a problem in the last few weeks. Um, And, you know, uh, especially in the last two games against Ray, I've seen enough to suggest that that can happen. I know they've only scored one goal in in those two games, but on paper,
0: they've got the quality to do it, at least. It's not for lack of trying. They've hit the woodwork a couple of times and had shots cleared off the line. You know They've, they've done everything but score in that first game.
1: Yeah. And they'll have a bit more confidence. There might be a bit more thrust about them. So go. go it might rain goals in the next few games, hopefully.
2: I, I think I think hopefully you're right. But, but I do fear it's going to go you know, pretty much the last week or two. Uh, I, I can't see it being a four or five game winning run taking Cali Thistle clear because the, the championship, as we've all seen that's not like that at all you know so I think we've got a few ups and downs to to come yet
0: yeah I I totally agree with you nobody has a clue what to expect from the championship yeah you can't really call it can you things are also I suppose looking fairly optimistic and it's amazing that shows you just how much has actually happened in lower league football this week that we're only just getting to Ross County now Um, it was a disappointing one obviously for them against Hibs we talked about VAR a couple of weeks ago. I don't particularly want to go over old ground again. but So if anybody's interested in hearing us talk about that, you can go and listen to episode eight of Balls and Whistles. Other than the refereeing decision, so you were at the game last Saturday, as was I. There are still plenty of reasons to be positive for Ross County as well. They managed to see through that first half and take the lead. And it was looking pretty good for them at that point.
2: I think with every game under John Hughes, there's been a positive even in defeat, you know, and and this was an example where, you know, I was, I was tremendously impressed by the likes of Jason Naismith, who's been a fantastic signing. Um, and I've, I've been impressed by the, the change in Ross County's kind of belief uh, in the final third, you know, just what we're talking about in the negative for Cali Thistle maybe, but I think they're getting there. It's, it's just, there's no time, you know, they need to get there as quickly as possible. Um, But also, it must breed a lot of confidence through the team that Ross Laidlaw is playing so well because some of his performances have been outstanding, you know, and uh, I just think that breathes right through the team. It gives the defence that little bit of extra assurance and if luck had been with them, they would have beaten Ibs, I'm pretty sure of it, you know, and and decisions had gone for them, which they cruelly didn't, uh, didn't, but, you know... uh, there's plenty to be optimistic about um, at Ross County. It's just, again, it's going to be a fraught spell now right through to to the end of the season. And that starts with a trip to
0: Perth tomorrow. Well, you're actually going to be at that game. St Johnson have been doing pretty well the last few weeks. They're still in with a shout of making the top six. But two games that they played against Ross County so far this season, County have won one and they've drawn the other. So it's all to play for
1: isn't are only they can still make the top six. Um, I St. Marin's the only team that can really stop them. Um, if they beat Hamilton and St. Johnson's probably still um, on a high after winning the league cup, and they beat Hibs afterwards as well. So it's going to be a tough encounter at uh McDermott Park. Colin Davidson's done a great job doing there, but Ross County. I, this isn't the Ross County team from the first half of the season. Uh, you know, Alistair mentioned himself about Ross Laidlaw. He's a completely different goalkeeper now. But whatever John Hughes has done, he, you've got to take your heart off to him. Um, not just with Ross Laidlaw, but with all the players as well. They look a different sort of team in the final third as well, where they appeared clueless in the first half of the season. They really do look like a real threat. Um, Jordan White and Billy McKay. Billy McKay especially. Still feel a bit sorry for Ollie Shaw. Don't think he's in much wrong. It'll be a tough game on Saturday but Ross County should rightfully be confident that they can get the three points.
2: I, th- I think one of the things that John Hughes did straight away and you mentioned Billy Mackay was identify that neither Ollie Shaw nor Billy Mackay was really a lone striker and he brought in jo- Jordan White and I, you know I, I don't think we should sort of underestimate how big a signing he was for Ross County he, he might not score loads of goals Jordan but he, he just he, his presence and Ability and reading of the game helps players feed off him. And I've always said, I mean, I've, I've watched Billy McKay for a lot of years and he's a fascinating player because he does have the dry spells sometimes, but he always comes back if a manager puts faith in him. And I think what John Hughes has done now is, is put a wee arm around his shoulder and say, Billy, I know you're going to get goals. And that's all Billy McKay really needs. He's an experienced player now, you know, Billy, and he's he's been through those dips in his career as a younger player and he knows if he has one of them he's going to bounce back and he's going to he's going to score it's just a matter of time so he's got that inner confidence and as long as his manager is backing him Billy Mackay will score goals in the Premier League so you know I think that's I think the Jordan White signing has been crucial to that though because um, Billy can't well he's not ideal up front on his own you know.
0: Yeah, we've talked quite a bit on the podcast before about just how good Jordan White has been and I think I personally was a little bit taken by surprise at just how good he was even after having watched him for a couple of years at Cali. He's been totally transformative for this Ross County team. But again, we're talking about the attacking options and that's something John Hughes covered in his press conference earlier on this week. Here's what he had to say.
2: was a streaky striker in terms of coming on and uh... You know, once he goes on that goal run, it, you know, he can't stop. And long may that continue for now to the end of the season. Jordan's a perfect voil for them uh, in terms of... And the Shaw. You know, the Shaw's still got a massive part to play for now to the end of the season. And it just so happens with the shape that we're playing, we're just changing it. And I wouldn't mind even at times, you know, getting, if, if, if I'm brave enough to get the three of them up the park, You know, because, as I say, Jordan plays his part. Great team player, Jordan great team player, you know, and he's perfect for uh, Oli and Bully and if we can ever at a time we can get the Sheerum up there together, you know, and they and can knock it off, then we've certainly got a goal for it and if we want to stay in the league, we're going to have to score goals. So it's nice to have that at your disposal and everything that we do, it has to be a collective effort in the team, out the team, a collective effort for everybody at the club to to keep the club in the league.
0: Again, it's an interesting one. We've talked on the podcast before about how attacking Ross County should go and whether they should try and work hard and, and try and grift out results. Suddenly we're talking about playing three up front for Ross County and that doesn't seem crazy. It's, it just goes to show how well John Hughes and how much of an impact, like we say, the likes of Jordan White has made on this county side.
1: I guess signature John Hughes' team says there's no real fanciness about their teams. It's just stick to what you know what you're good at and just get on with it and I think that players have responded to that, you know, Billy McKay, you know, stick a partner with
2: you up front and just score goals, it's working I think they can get more from these players, which is exciting I suppose but it's, um, again I keep saying it, but they've got to start delivering because we're running out of time really It's an exciting time of the season, this
0: is when everything is on the line and it really matters that people go out and perform and it's it's just crazy to think we're already into like the last few weeks and months of the campaign. It doesn't seem like that long ago we started up again, but maybe that's just me. I don't know.
2: <laughs> even old cynics like me get excited at this time of the season, Andrew. You know, <laughs> even though I've seen it so many times before, but no, it's 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 always a great time. And what fascinates me at Ross County is the potential. As I, I, I think I touched on already. I think they're a lot better than they've shown, and there's still a lot more to come from them. So. Hopefully that will be in the next coming games. you know.
1: And the fate's in their hands. That's
0: the main thing. Clearly, based on how long we've been talking about football, it's been a big week there, but there has been a couple of non-footballing stories. Will, you were talking to uh, an Inverness cyclist this week who's gone online and managed to get quite a bit of success. What's been going on?
1: Yeah, Beth McIver from Cato Hall. She's been signed up by Movistar team who are a big Spanish cycling team to take part in uh, virtual cycling against the top uh, riders from around the world during 2021. It's an incredible achievement since she only really started cycling two years ago, encouraged by her boyfriend, whose dad owns Bikes of Inverness. She's been selected as part of an international team and they're uh, going to be taking on the top virtual cyclists in the world over eight rounds starting in April. So fantastic story. That an athlete is taking on the world's best uh, virtually and who knows maybe one day in reality we we'll can do
0: the same. I think this is the first time we're delving into eSports <laughs> on Pulse and whistles. so something a bit different for us as well. Uh, something else we've been tracking over the last few months is the amount of events and competitions that have fallen by the wayside and had to be cancelled. Uh, again, Will, I'm coming back to you there was some bad news for golf as the North Golf Winter Alliance declared their season null and void?
1: Yeah, basically because of the announcement from the government on Tuesday regarding uh, travel restrictions, they're not going to be lifted in time for the winter season to finish for the summer's competitions can start at each of the golf clubs. There was no great surprise. There was probably an inevitability to it, but they accepted the decision and uh, hopefully the winter golf season started October as usual, when COVID-19 is no longer a problem.
0: Do you know what? I think we've basically been talking about sport for just about long enough. So I'll just give a quick mention to Alan Henry's article on the back page of the John O'Groat Journal today. I had a quick look at it earlier. It's an absolutely phenomenal story. Again, this is in cycling. 83-year-old Alistair Washington has been talking about his time at Caithness Cycling Club. That goes back nearly 50 years he's one of the founding members and still on the bike still racking up the miles and looking forward to competition starting up when lockdowns end it's it's just an incredible story go and make sure you check that one out guys i think that pretty much covers us i'll do my usual closer which is buy a paper support local journalism and also if you're on one of the inverness courier northern scott whatever Highland news and media website buy a digital subscription because that's going to be a thing. And there's some exciting stuff coming up online. If you want to get in touch with the show, we're on Twitter at balls underscore whistles. You can also get in touch with us at ballsandwhistles at hnmedia.co.uk. Thanks to all you guys for coming on. It's been a blast talking to you about all of the football. We've covered so much stuff. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.